0: You can go ahead and grab a seat. It is so good to be with you, Northridge Church. Welcome. Uh, No matter where you're joining us from, whether you're online or you are at one of our uh, in-person services, we are honored to have you. And man, welcome home. Again, I say that really uh, strategically because it is our desire... It is our, we try as best as we can for whether you're a first-time guest or you are a regular tender at Northridge Church, we want you to feel when you walk through our doors like you've arrived home. And what that means is you are valued, you are loved, and you are cared for, and that's what home is all about. And so welcome to all of you, welcome home, and welcome to Northridge church and if you got your phones or your devices I'd encourage you to go into the Northridge church app everything is digital now so if you want to take notes and carry them with you along in the journey of the week to be encouraged by grace jump into the Northridge church app but before we dive uh, too far in I want to make you aware of something you know as the virus rates be continue to decrease in our community more and more people are coming back to in-person services and so that's a great thing if you're watching online and you've kind of been going back Back and forth. Maybe next week is your week. We'd be honored to have you back at one of our in-person services. But what that means is the more people come, the more kids we have. And one area of need that we have right now in our ministry, it's kids ministry volunteers. And let's just set the record straight. These guys are heroes because they're building a foundation of who Jesus is in the next generation of Northridge Church. They're amazingly talented and they love your children. And maybe you've been coming to Northridge Church for a little bit or a long time and you're you're saying, hey, I need to get into the game, or maybe you need to get back into the game. You're taking a break. That's okay. Uh, We need some kids ministry volunteers. If that's you, you're interested, just go to iwant.info. You're not signing a contract for forever or your life away. We'll do all the work. We'll reach out to you and see where you fit, what's best for you. But we'd love and we'd be honored if you'd serve along with us. You know, growing up in my household, I had two older brothers, I was the youngest boy, and so what that meant was I had to find a unique way to get at my older brothers, because they were bigger than me, stronger than me, and so I couldn't beat them up. I've tried that. It didn't work out in my favor. And so I had to kind of find a way to get at them, because in my household, maybe yours is like this the way we expressed love in, in our house was picking on each other. So if you weren't picked on. You weren't loved. So, you know, I know it's a weird combination, but that's kind of the way we worked. And so as the youngest boy, I had to find ways to get at my brothers. And so, you know, it would often look like this. One of my brothers, Adam or Barry, was taking a shower, and I would go find the other one. So Barry or Adam, depending on who was in the shower, and I would get them for backup because I needed backup for what I was going to do. And so I would go find this large bucket with my brother, and I would fill it full of ice and cold water, and we would both carry it up, laughing all the way. We would slowly sneak into the bathroom, and we would listen to my brother shower for about a minute. We would, like, laugh. We'd be like, are you ready? You ready? And we would lift that bucket full of freezing cold water, and we would lean it over the shower curtain, and we would dump, and we would listen, and if you ever want to hear a grown man scream like a little girl, this is the thing you got to try, right? <laughs> and if you do, I will take zero of the credit for this great, amazing idea. <laughs> but if you've ever experienced that, right, when you're in a warm environment, and then your system gets shocked by cold water. Maybe it's the polar plunge you take every year in the middle of winter. Or maybe it's when you open your pool or the community pool is open and it's warm outside, but you forgot how cold the water is. And you make that leap and boom, you hit that water. And it, it sends shock waves down your, your spine. It's so cold. And that feeling you've probably experienced before is kind of what we want to experience over the next two weeks. We kind of want to shock your system with just one word, grace. Grace, because we've navigated a very difficult season. 2020 and even into 2021 has been a very hard season. What can naturally happen for many of us is we let go of grace and we slip into negativity. We let go of grace and we slip into fear. We let go of grace and we slip into cynicism or criticalness. And we want to shock our systems and get back to the greatest gift God has ever given us called grace. And we're calling it Grace Anatomy, this series, is just two weeks. And in two weeks, here's what we want to discover. As we want to discover what grace is, the depths and the riches of grace, we want to understand the effects it has on our lives, and then we want to ask the question, what do we do with the grace God has given us? And so let's start here. I love this quote by Justin Holcomb. He says, grace is the most important concept in the Bible, Christianity in the world. It's most clearly expressed in the promises of God revealed in Scripture and embodied in Jesus Christ. So for a second, let's think about that. Right? If, if, if that's true, grace is the most important concept in God's Word, in Christianity in the world, Shouldn't that lead us to desire after grace, to long for it, to live in it, and to ultimately know what it is, right? This word grace, if you study the New Testament, it was written in Greek. The the Greek word for grace is charis, right? It's used 154 times in the New Testament. So we see grace all throughout the New Testament. It's a constant theme. And so let's start by understanding what this word means. But even in that journey, it's kind of hard. There have been many scholars, many pastors, wise pastors, who have tried to define grace with words, but yet it's hard. Because grace is nuanced. Grace is deep, and it's rich, and it's hard to put in words all that grace is. In fact, let me show you what I mean. There's a bunch of people who tried to define grace. It says this, grace, one person says, grace is free sovereign favor, to the ill-deserving. Another person says grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Another person says grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. Another person says grace is unconditional love towards a person who does not deserve it. And so just alone in those those definitions of grace, we see some similarities, we see some commonalities, but it's really hard to understand the full gamut of what grace is. But from a big picture, here's where we need to start. Grace is the greatest gift you could ever receive that you can't earn and that you don't deserve. You see, when we understand God's grace, we, we first have to understand this is the greatest gift ever given. It is the greatest gift that you will ever experience. And here's what's crazy about this grace is you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work your way to it. You can't find it on sale in the supermarket. You can't earn it. And to make matters even more unique, you don't deserve it. It's a gift given to you that you are unworthy of. And that's what makes grace so special. So let's dive in, Ephesians chapter two, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus and he talks about this grace we're talking about. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So the Apostle Paul says it's actually grace that saves you. Now that leads us to a first and primary question, right? What am I being saved from? Like, what is grace saving me from? Well, we'll get to that. But the first thing we have to understand about grace is that grace, he says, it's, you're saved by grace through this thing called faith. You see, faith is the initiator of grace. Faith is the the, the thing that starts the engine of grace in your life. It's when you choose to believe in what Jesus has accomplished for you through his death and his resurrection. It's God drawing you to himself through faith, and that faith begins the journey of grace in your life. But let's go back to the first question, right? Okay, if faith starts... It ignites grace. Grace saves me. What am I being saved from? Like some of us might ask that question. Like I feel pretty good. I don't feel in danger. Like what am I? What am I being saved from? Well, the Bible makes that very, very clear all throughout the pages. But Romans says it better than I believe all of them. Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." And so, one thing the Bible makes really clear to all of us. It doesn't pick on anybody. It doesn't alienate anybody. It says, "Hey, we are all sinners." Because of Adam and Eve, at the very beginning, choosing to disobey God, we are born with a sinful nature. And that means we choose sin. That's our natural reaction is to choose sin. And here's the problem with that, is it separates us from God because God is holy and God is just. And in His holiness, He doesn't coexist with sin. And so it creates this giant problem, this giant barrier between us and God. Right? And not only that, but there's a punishment for sin. Romans three chapters later, Romans six twenty three, it says, for the wages or the punishment of sin is death. And that death come, comes two ways, physically and eternally. So one thing that just kind of is funny, we all acknowledge this, we all know this, this seems like common sense to us, but it's part of the truth of the Bible, a direct result of sin is that we all die. No one's arguing that today, right? No one's going to email me after this sermon, like, Drew, I don't think I'm going to die. Right? Well, if you do, I will probably, we'll have a bigger conversation. (laughs) Because we all know, like, hey, we weren't created to die. Do you know that? We were created to live eternally, but yet sin messed it up. And the reason why we die is a direct result of sin. So we die physically, but we also die eternally. Because if we're not saved by that grace, redeemed and, and, and brought redemption into our story, we die eternally where that separation stays for the course of all eternity separated from God. And here's what, what I'm getting at is we have to understand that sin is the reason for grace. Right? If, if sin wasn't in our world, there would be no reason we would need God's grace. So the very reason that grace exists is because of our sin because of our rebellion, <clears throat> excuse me, against God. Now, before we get too far into grace, I think we need to make a clear distinction between two words that often get joined together, right? Anytime we talk about grace, the word mercy comes up, God's mercy and his grace. And I'm afraid that in the church, so many of us have, have kind of joined these words to, to mean the same thing, but they're actually very different. Because grace, what grace really is, if you want a working definition, a simple definition of grace, grace is getting something wonderful that you don't deserve. Okay, so grace is a gift to you, and it's so good, and it's so amazing, it's it's wonderful, and you couldn't earn it, and you don't deserve it. Now, mercy, on the other hand, is different than that, because mercy is actually not getting something terrible that you do deserve. You see the difference there? With grace, you get something. With mercy, you don't get something. With with grace, you, you don't deserve it. With mercy, you do deserve it. And so with mercy, with God's mercy, he withholds the punishment of our sin that belongs to us. Something terrible that you do deserve. But here's what we have to understand about these two words. If God only gave his mercy, it wouldn't be enough. Sure, don't get me wrong, it would be an amazing gift that we wouldn't have to experience, excuse me, something in my throat, we wouldn't have to experience the, the punishment of our sin, but it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't restore our relationship back with God. That's something only grace does. The gift of grace is God giving us something so amazing and so wonderful. That's why Paul says, it's by grace you have been saved. Grace changes our relationship back with God. And so for the remainder of my time, I want us to understand the effects that grace has on our lives. The the, the wonder and the depths of God's grace and how it interacts with every fiber of our being today. So let's start big picture. What does grace do? How does it affect our lives? Well, grace, we talked a little bit about this. Grace changes your standing with God. Grace takes you in rebellion to God, enemies of God, and changes where you stand with God. He brings you from rebellion to part of the family. Look at Titus chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that is very own eager to do what is good. And so here in Titus, he talks about Jesus' work on the cross, his redemptive work that actually restores our relationship with God. We go from enemies and rebellion to God to being part of his family because our standing is changed. But not only does it change our standing, but grace impacts who we are. Grace impacts our identity, the very man or woman that we are becoming. And we see this most evidently in the Apostle Paul, right? A guy whose life was dramatically changed by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians, this is what he says. He says, but by the grace of God. So because of the grace of God, I am what I am. He says, I'm I'm the man you know as the Apostle Paul because, not of me, but because of the grace of God. He says, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. It wasn't me, but the grace of God that was with me. And what we have to understand is who this guy is. This is the Apostle Paul, once known as Saul, who persecuted Christians loved persecuting Christians, and then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus pours out his grace on his life, and it changes his complete identity, who he was and what he would become was changed by the grace of God. It was so dramatic that his name goes from Saul to Paul, and that's a a beautiful picture of what happens to us when we experience the grace of God, That, that, that it's literally like our name should change because our identity does. The grace of God changes our standing with God, our identity, but let's get a little more practical. Those are big picture things, but how does the grace of God impact my everyday? And I didn't warn you up front, but I'm going to steamroll you with a little bit of grace, right? This is, you're going to to be like, wow, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, right? Like, whoa, that's a lot. Like, I can't even take this all in. And as that moment gets where you're starting to lean out, I would press in because these should be true about us practically. What does grace change my everyday life? Well, grace keeps you grounded in truth. Right, Grace is the very thing that keeps you anchored and it gives you a foundation when life blows on you and the enemy lies to you. Grace keeps you anchored in the truth of God. And practically speaking, I think this might be in, in the season we just went through, maybe the most practical thing that grace offers you and I. I don't know about you, but if you read the news and you read what's going on, there are a lot of things out there that are trying to sway you from the truth of God. There are a lot of teachings out there, philosophies out there that are going to try to sway you, get you to blow over and not be anchored in the truth of God. This is why Hebrews says this, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings, right? For the mature believer today, I think some of those strange teachings are the ones that are almost true. They're they're close enough to be what God says, but they're not fully what God says, and it's easy to be swayed away by almost true things. Do you realize something that is almost true isn't true? And then as new believers, really, there's a lot of things that culturally will try to sway you from what God says. right? He says, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Well, how do we not be carried away? Well, because it's good for us in our hearts to be strengthened by grace, because grace is the anchor. Grace is the foundation that keeps you from being blown back and forth. But, hey, grace does more things, right? Grace also changes your words. Practically, grace changes your word. Another practical thing that we probably needed in the season when we went online and we read all the debates and the posts, grace changes how we respond to the people we disagree with. It changes how we communicate. Right? Colossians 4, it says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Yeah. I hate that word always. Right? Like, seriously, God, all the time? Yeah, all the time. It's strategic, it's awful. I wonder if your conversations over the last year have been always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond or answer anyone. Grace does that in our lives. It helps us when we need to text somebody and we don't want to. When we need to respond to somebody, it gives us grace. Ephesians 4, it says this do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Right? So, this this, scripture is talking about like our words should be encouraging, not critical. That the tongue holds the power of life or death, and which are we choosing? But here's what's interesting, right? No one saw the word grace. In that verse, it didn't say grace, but yet the Greek word is there. Here's what's interesting about charis, the Greek word for grace, is it can be translated in different ways. Sometimes when you read your Bible, you'll see the actual word grace there for charis. Sometimes you'll see the word favor, but in this passage, we see the word benefit. So it reads in, in, in our language that it may benefit those, but really the original language says that it may grace those who listen. Because grace changes our words, but yet there's more. I kind of feel like Billy Mays today. But wait, there's more. If you do this, I'll pay for the shipping and handling. Anyway, there's more to grace. Grace provides for you in your time of need, right? In a season, in a, in a, in a year where a lot of people were in need, guess what often provides for us when we are in need? It's the grace of God. And I want to show you two unique ways through one verse where God's grace provides for us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So here's the first way. How amazing is it that because we serve a gracious God, we can actually go to him with confidence? right? That's solely and only by the grace of God that we can, when we are in need, we can communicate with the God Almighty. Like I know in, in, in like Christianity, we often downplay prayer, but how amazing is it by the grace of God that we can actually talk to God? But you don't have to come to me and say, hey, Drew, will you pray for me? No, I can. you can go to God on your own. Why? Because of the grace of God. Confidently and boldly. Right? And let's continue. He says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace. And what does grace do? It helps us in our time of need. Grace provides for you when you need it. Grace also offers you forgiveness and never leaves. Right? Grace forgives you of your past, your regret, your sin right? That, this might be the most powerful thing about grace, that you and I, we can look at our past, and here's a newsflash. We all have past, all have past full of sin, and yet grace covers that. And here's what's amazing about grace. The, the moment you first receive it, it's mind-blowing to you. You're like, wow, I can't imagine that God would forgive me of all the things that I've done. It hits us like a ton of bricks. What a gift. But here's what's crazy, is as we walk with God, and the more we mature, right? Here's what happens to a lot of Christians, is we become bitter of grace, Because we look at people on the news or we look at people in our life and we see the disgusting acts that they have done and we wonder how God's grace could forgive them. And what we often forget is that we were once them. That we were once that person, that grace covered all of our sins and forgiven us. And even, here's the great news, even when you can't forgive yourself, God has already forgiven you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because grace offers you forgiveness, and it never goes away. It says in in, in Ephesians, it says, In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Again, this is just kind of repeating what we've already talked about. It's grace, the redemption power of grace in Jesus' blood that saves you. And here's what it offers. It says, The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishes upon us. God loves giving his people grace. And one of the best things about grace is you are forgiven. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, there is no act too big for the grace of Jesus Christ. And to sum it all up, the bottom line is grace is all we need. It really is. Grace is all you need in your life today. I know we have a laundry list of things that we think we need, but at the end of the day, grace is the only thing you need. And I love how the the Apostle Paul says it. He says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's all that you need. Because grace is the greatest gift to humanity from God. And you couldn't earn it. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't achieve it. And you don't deserve it. You're not worthy of it, but yet God still gives it to you freely. So what do we do with it? Right? Like, okay, well, awesome. That's great. Like, grace impacts our lives, but like, what am I supposed to do with this grace? Well, our journey with grace simply starts by receiving it. By receiving it. And part of receiving God's grace is this fundamental understanding that when you receive it, it's not anything that you did. Right? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for it is by grace, so grace saves you, through faith, that's the igniter or the engine, and this is not of you. It's not of yourself. It's not from you. It is a gift of God, not by works. So you can't look the part and be the part. God does the work. You just receive the blessing from him. So continue on, Romans 6, it says this, and if by grace, so it's talking about if we're truly saved by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. And part of receiving God's grace is this understanding that you don't have to do anything. Jesus has already done it, right? Some of us, we show up to church or we do the right thing because we want God to love us. You don't have to do any of that. God already loves you. He's already given you his grace and what he wants from you is just you to receive it. And I just believe this today. There are people watching and listening online or at one of our campuses that you haven't received the grace of God. This amazing gift. And my question for you is just simply, what are you waiting for? The greatest gift given to humanity, and for some reason you don't want it. And today all you have to do is receive it. By saying, God, I believe in what your son has done on my behalf for my sin through his death and resurrection. And I'm turning from that sin and I'm believing in you. My faith pours out God's grace in your life to receive it. But here's what's crazy is many Christians believe that's the end of the journey of grace, right? Like it's this one-time transaction, I got the grace of God, booyah, good. But the Bible's clear, that's not where grace stops. That's not where our journey with grace, it's actually the beginning of the journey, not the end. Because the Bible says you receive God's grace and then you learn to grow in it. You grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. You learn about it. You study it so you can look more like it. Right? To grow in it. Look what 2 Peter says. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And here's what I think has actually happened in Christianity, is I think we actually, in that verse, miss that word grace. Because I know many Christians today who are growing actively in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that is a great pursuit. We need to pursue that, the knowledge of God. we got to be in his word. we got to love his word, because that knowledge will help us. But it's almost as if we've forgotten that God says grow in knowledge and the grace of God. I wonder how many of us today are actively growing in God's grace, Or we're pursuing it, we're chasing after it, we're learning more about it. Acts 13, it says, when the congregation was dismissed, so this is early church, it says, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So these are the early church leaders who talked to them, and they urged them, what did they urge them to do? To continue in the grace of God. Are you growing in God's grace? And maybe you want to do that throughout this week, right? Part of this series is helping us to get into God's Word and to grow in His grace. And maybe that's something you've never done or something you want to continue in. We try to make it somewhat e- easy. If you just go to iwant.info, there's a banner there that says, I want to grow in God's grace. And so depending on what campus you go to, your campus pastor is going to reach out to you for five days this week. Monday to Friday is going to send you a word of encouragement and a verse on God's grace. And so it's simple. You just got to sign up. We'll send you all the information. You just got to read it and take it in and marinate on and and dwell in it and grow in it. So we receive God's grace, we grow in it, but yet we're not done yet. We have to be strong in it. We have to be confident in God's grace and ultimately being strong in God's grace is is the progression of us receiving it and then growing in it. And over the course of years growing in it, we become confident in it. Look, Look what it says here in Timothy. It says, you then, my son, be strong, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so let me flesh out what this means. Many of you, you have jobs right now, and some of you have been working for a company for, you know, two, three, five, maybe 10, 20 years. And when I think about being strong in God's grace, here's what I often, uh, I see it as. Like, when you first get that job, right, the first year of that job, when we hire somebody at Northridge Church, the the first year of that, that job is really what we call orientation. Right, We're, We want that person to get to know our DNA, to how we respond to things, how we function. Right, The first year of any job is really just kind of getting it figured out, answering your questions, seeing if it's a, if it's a fit for you and how, how this company navigates certain situations. But as you grow in that company for two, four, ten years, you become confident in who they are. The DNA is kind of, of the company has now become maybe a little bit of a part of you, and you know how they respond. You know what they want from you. you. You know how to lead. And what happens is you become confident in what that company wants. It's the same way grace works in our lives. We receive it, and the first time we receive it, we're amazed by it. But then we continue to grow in it, learn, and understand it so we can be confident in it, so we can respond to any situation or any circumstance because we know God's grace. And we become confident in it. We're strong in it, ultimately, so we can testify about it. Right? We, we tell the world about the greatest gift we've ever received. We, we shout it from the rooftops. Let me tell you something amazing today. It's God's grace. Right? And you study the Apostle Paul, a guy who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, a guy who had such a s- severe influence, a great influence for the early church. All that he did, missionary journeys, all these things, he narrows it down to one thing. Acts 20, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. So my dreams, my desires, I put those on the back burner. And he says, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. What is that task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, you know what? If you look at my life, you're going to see me doing a lot of things But here's what you need to know. When I was doing those things, my only aim was to tell the world about this amazing, sweet, wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. And that hits me like a ton of bricks. And I think it probably should hit you like a ton of bricks. Because as Christ followers, we claim Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift in all of humanity. And for some reason, many times in our life, we go silent about it. I don't, my neighbor's just tired of hearing about it, or, you know, my coworkers, they just say, I don't believe that stuff, so I just kind of, you know, it's, it's awkward, it's weird, it's uncomfortable, like, I just don't feel like, you know, I'm an introvert, or I'm an whatever, like, I don't know, and we just, we just keep God's grace to ourselves. And Paul said, everything I did was to just testify about what God's grace has done in my life. And I think as Christ followers, that's a call back to be confident in God's grace so we can tell the world about it. And ultimately, where we end the journey of grace is we give it, right? The same grace that Jesus Christ has given to us, poured out on our lives, we learn to pour back out on other people's lives. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here and giving it because next week, as we wrap up the series next week, we're going to talk practically of how we can give grace to people, Maybe the one thing that missed out, we missed out on in 2020 was actually like, hey, when times get tough, guess what we should be giving the most of? It's grace. It's like our culture just skipped out on grace for all of 2020, right? And next week we're going to talk about how we can give the same grace that God has given to us. So I have two questions for you. And these two questions kind of interact with two groups of people. Have you experienced and are you living out this grace so the first group of people that's those of you who you've yet to experience God's grace in your life you you know exactly who you are because i believe through the power of the holy spirit god is drawing you to himself maybe you've been showing up and listening in northridge church for maybe a couple of weeks or maybe it's been a couple of months or maybe it's been a couple of years And you are attracted to Jesus. Here's what I know. The more you get to know Jesus, the more attracted you'll be to him because he's that good. Maybe today is the day where you experience and receive the greatest gift God has ever given us. It's his grace. And it's as simple as this. It's a a confession of your mouth and a belief in your heart that Jesus is who he says he was, that he was fully God and he left heaven to come to earth to die in our place because of our sin. And three days later, after that cross, he rose again and he defeated your sin and he gives you grace today. And all you have to do, you don't have to do any work, you can't achieve it, you can't look the part, you just allow him to give it to you. And if you just say those words, God, I believe in you. I believe in who you are, and I want you to become my forgiver and my leader. It's as simple as that. I'm turning from my sin, become my savior. If you say those words, we want to celebrate with you. You Just go to I want that info. There's a huge banner that says, I've received God's grace. I've experienced his grace. You let us know who you are. We'll navigate that journey with you. We'll walk with you, and we will celebrate. And all of heaven is celebrating right now. But the secondary question is for many of us who are Christ followers, are we living out God's grace? If I were to talk to people who are in your sphere of influence, maybe people who are far from God, who are around you, would they be able to locate God's grace in you? Would they see it? Have they experienced it from you? Are you living out this grace? You know, I think of that song we sang right before the message, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And I love that, that description of grace, that it should be sweet to us, right? Because a month ago, I told you that uh, one of my resolutions this year uh, is to really get healthier, right? Healthier healthier, physically, mentally, and spiritually, because one thing that I noticed about me in, in 2020 is through a very difficult year where I had to learn to grieve, what often I did in my grief was I would turn to something sweet rather than the sweetest thing. So when I was hurting and when I was broken, I would often turn to a a, a source of food to bring me comfort rather than my Savior. And that's why I tell you guys all the time, don't you dare put me on a pedestal because I will fail you every time. You put Jesus on that pedestal and he will never fail you. And so I would turn to sweets to comfort me. And so in the new year, I was like, i got to get back to trusting in God more than food that I eat. And so I made this journey to, like, sacrifice sweets and to get in the gym and, and work healthy. And so over the course of, of two months, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to celebrate. I'm down 20 and a half pounds. Come on, baby! <laughs> Listen, I... I will need that encouragement Monday morning when the gym comes, so I'll hang on to that. But, you know, in this journey about, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, Ashley and I were like, hey, babe, we, we, we got to go on a date. So we do dates regularly. And just a side note, if you're married today, go out on dates, like, get a babysitter. I, your kids will be fine. The babysitter might not be, but get out there and take your wife or your husband on a date. It's best for you and for your kids to see that. Back to God's grace. All right, here we go. So we're going on a date. And when Ashley and I go on a date, we often split an appetizer, we split an entree, and then we split a dessert. And so we were going to one of my favorite places in Rochester. It's called Red. And the one thing about Red that we love is they have this butterscotch pudding. I know, it doesn't sound that great. It's amazing. It's amazing okay and so we shared our appetizer and we shared our 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 entree and it was time for dessert and it was kind of one of those things where i was like hey i've worked really hard at this point i'm gonna treat myself and i was like hey baby i love you but don't touch my dessert (laughs) i'm gonna sweeten forever and so we get this butterscotch putting it sitting before me and i'm not lying church i slow played this dessert for all it was worth i took small bites and it was probably awkward for everybody else in the restaurant but i'm like thank you jesus hallelujah Let's go. And people are like, what is is wrong with that guy? But it was sweet. It was so sweet that guess what I wanted? More. Every bite made me want to go in for another and another. And I believe that's the way God designed His grace for our lives is when we truly experience it. It is so sweet and it is so good that it just makes us dive in and want more and more of God's grace because it is so sweet. And so my prayer for you this week as we continue into next week is just the words of 2 Thessalonians. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your grace. Oh, it's so sweet, God. And may the sweetness of your grace this week, God, make us dive in for more, to grow in it, to be strong in it, maybe to receive it, to testify about it, or to give it to somebody else. Thank you for your grace, in Jesus' name.